No doubt, more than at any other time of the year, you will find a lot of media interests focusing on Jesus Christ right now. Editors of news sources, whether print or online, television executives, they all recognize that Christians, Holy Week and Easter will cause even the most casual of churchgoers to think to some extent about the passion of Jesus Christ. So you will find more coverage of the different aspects of his life, his passion, his death and resurrection of Jesus now more than at any other time of the year. One of these special editions a few years ago that caught my attention at a supermarket checkout was the cover of Newsweek that had the question, who really killed Jesus on it? You'd think that would be a pretty cut-and-dry question to answer. How would they milk an entire magazine cover story out of it? But they explored different aspects of the, the passion narratives from the four Gospels, including the one from Luke that we just proclaimed, and looked at a lot of the possible defendants. Judas seems the logical first target. After all, he delivered Jesus up for 30 silver pieces. But then again, he had to deliver him to someone. So Caiaphas and the Jewish priests are considered. They wanted him dead, after all, for some time, in fact. But then they had no legal way to do it, whether the religious or the secular law. So Pontius Pilate's name surfaces as the one to blame. Ultimately, he was in charge. He could have stopped it. But as the guards lead Jesus off to nail him to the cross... Pilate is said to be washing his hands of it. So then we're left with a bunch of Roman soldiers, the ones who actually put the nails into Jesus' hands and feet as responsible. But they, like soldiers of other atrocities throughout history, argue that they were just following orders. Amazing, isn't it, how quickly a seemingly clear question gets muddied. We could, if we were defense attorneys, in a sense, find reasonable doubt for each of them. And what some academics, historians, and theologians will eventually propose, whether they realize it or not, is that no one specifically is guilty. Somehow the, the madness, the evil occurs. Somehow Jesus Christ, the enfleshment of love, is brutally killed And then some simply conclude, God wanted it that way. Some go further and say, God the Father has done this, because he allowed this to happen. In other words, the answer to the question, who's guilty of killing Jesus? Comes the remarkable response, God is guilty. It sounds shocking, isn't it? We're struck by how Ridiculous that sounds. But if we think about it, hasn't humanity been saying that from the beginning of time? Think back to the first day when sin first entered the world. Back to the Garden of Eden. And what happened? God says, you've eaten then from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, The woman who you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, so I ate it. 
The Lord God asks the woman, why did you do such a thing? The woman answers, the serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. It wasn't Adam's fault, it was Eve's. It wasn't Eve's fault, it was the serpent. It wasn't the serpent. Why did God put that tree there in the first place? Who's guilty? God's guilty. And thousands of years later, it's no different. Who's at fault? The guards of Auschwitz? The husband who's unfaithful to his wife? The student who cheats on his test? The roommate who gets drunk or stoned? The corporate executive who bilks the company of billions? The physician giving lethal doses of morphine in a nursing home? Everyone has excuses. I was following orders. I have uncontrollable needs and desires that need to be satisfied. Everybody does it. We must relieve the world of useless lives or put more nicely to end their suffering. We add justifications and qualifiers. My parents weren't attentive to me. I was deprived. I was spoiled. It's in my genes. No matter what the crime, the situation, the ethical dilemma, inevitably the cycle of questioning and finger-pointing will come back to that philosophical question of, well, how did evil come about in the first place? And then conveniently ignoring our own bad choices, we ask with all presumption, if God is all good and all powerful, then how do these evil things happen? Or how come he let these things occur? Yeah, that's the question. And once again, ultimately, we make the same conclusion Who's guilty? God's guilty. Like rebellious teenagers screaming at their parents, it's your fault. We find ourselves in the Garden of Eden reaching for that fruit. We find ourselves in Jerusalem in that crowd that first Good Friday. We might not have been the ones fastening Jesus to the cross, But as the madness of that day happens, we find we're there. We are part of that crowd convicting God. The difficult truth that we're confronted with on Palm Sunday is that humanity is guilty. And we ourselves are guilty of the evils that we commit on one another, of the manipulations of one another that we so masterfully do of the bad choices we make of the silence we hold instead of standing up and speaking for the truth and so Jesus hangs on the cross and there's nothing we can do to change that the passion of Jesus Christ though calls us to consider the thing that we can change And that's ourselves. Jesus' death doesn't have to be in vain. The response to this proclamation is not simply to listen and to talk and to think about it, but rather to live Jesus' message of love and forgiveness. 
A love that saved us from the Father's justifiable wrath. A love that Jesus himself has commanded us to follow. And with Easter on the not-so-distant horizon, we will find that he doesn't emerge from the tomb with a list of people that he needs to settle the score with. No, for him, his last words in that Gospel of Luke says it all. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can we forgive like that? Can we stop blaming God for our own failures and our own sinfulness? Can we stop the cycle of hatred and choose to love? Can we or will we vindicate Jesus' death by our lives?